You are listening to the Journal of Rheumatology's Editor's Picks with Dr. Earl Silverman, Editor-in-Chief. Hello again. This is Earl Silverman, Editor-in-Chief of Journal of Rheumatology, welcoming you to the March 2022 edition of Editor's Picks. I want to thank you for having taken the time to listen to this podcast. Before I get to the articles of my interview, I want to announce a new feature that the journal has beginning this month entitled Panorama 360 Degrees of Rheumatology. As the title implies, we hope to get many different perspectives from a variety of stakeholders that are included but not limited to patients, patient advocates, physicians, allied health professionals interested in rheumatology, researchers, and trainees. We hope this section will address issues of interest, topical issues, issues of historic importance, including art or anthropology, and many other issues. In fact, all topics will be considered for publication. This month, we start with an article entitled, Why Should It Be Different from the Other Side? This is a parent and pediatrician's perspective of her child with Kawasaki disease. As the title implies, it is the experience of a pediatrician whose child developed Kawasaki disease and her reflections on the experience of how the personal professional life balance is upset when her child has a serious illness. I would now like to introduce Dr. Annalise Boonin, who will give you an overview of the paper entitled Outcomes of Care Among Patients with Gout in Europe, a cross-sectional survey of which she is the senior author of this paper. Thank you for uh, inviting us uh, for this interview. It was also nice to read the editorial of Dr. Tana, which which we agree. And uh, the background of our study was our interest in quality of care of gout for gout on the one hand, but also in the contextual factors on the other hand. And then quality of care because we, in our gout clinic, that is led by Caroline van Dorne, one of the co-authors, we regularly see new patients with quite severe gout, sophocleus gout, many flares, and we wonder what is that? What are the patient factors? What are the physician factors? And on the other hand, we have that interest in contextual factors. We believe that it's difficult to interpret outcomes of a disease or its treatment without taking into account the context. And the context are these factors that are not related to the disease, but the factors outside of the disease, the person or the environment of the person. So the person can be age, gender, lifestyle, coping, satisfaction, and the environmental factors can be access to care, the treatment support by um, your environment, uh, the social security system. And discussing these issues for the colleague, he mentioned he had a nice database for us to explore the relationships between these countries. And we were especially inspired because in rheumatoid arthritis, we had found that country of residence and specifically gross domestic product was very important to outcome. Higher, so wealthier countries, in wealthier countries, patients with rheumatoid arthritis had lower disease activity that paradoxically, they had worse fatigue and worse well-being. So we wanted also to know how is care um, across countries for gout, 
what is the relationship between patient-reported and more objective uh, outcomes, and to what extent are there contextual factors that, ex that can explain these differences. I hope you enjoyed listening to Dr. Boonin's overview of the paper entitled Outcomes of Care Among Patients with Gout in Europe, a Cross-Sectional Survey, and that you will listen to the complete interview I had with Dr. Boonin and read the full-length article. This article is also accompanied by an editorial by Dr. Pooja Kana from the University of Michigan, which is entitled Remission and Gout, Concepts from a Patient's Perspective. Both these articles are available at our website at www.jroom.org. The next article to highlight is entitled Exploring Family Planning, Parenting, and Sexual and Reproductive Healthcare Experience of Men with Rheumatic Diseases and is by Stransky and colleagues. Using unstructured interviews, the authors examined the above-named issues in a cohort of 20 men aged 22 to 44 years old who were mainly heterosexual and had at least one child. The most common disease diagnosis were spondylitis, systemic lupus erythematosus, and RA. Four major themes emerged. Men had family planning concerns, particularly related to the inheritability of their diseases, their fertility, and the potential effects on medications on their offspring's health. Two, men felt that their diseases either impaired or would impair their abilities to parent. Three, men often did not discuss their sexual dysfunction with their rheumatologist. And lastly, men rarely discussed any family planning, parenting, or any health-related, sexual health-related issues with their rheumatologist. Importantly, these men felt that these issues were rarely discussed, but were of great importance. Please read this article to better help with these neglected issues, which are concern of men with rheumatic diseases. I will now change topics to a more conventional subject that we discussed in, in an article entitled Performance of Three Composite Measures for Disease Activity in Peripheral Spondyloarthritis, and is by Beckers and Collins. In this article, the authors examined the validity and discrimination of the disease activity psoriatic arthritis score, DAPSA, the psoriatic arthritis disease activity score, PASDAS, and the ankylosing spondylitis disease activity score, or the ASDAS, in peripheral spondyloarthropathy in a clinical practice cohort from the Dutch SpaNet Registry. PASA, DAPSA, and ASDAS scores were available in 139, 191, and 272 patients with peripheral spondyloarthropathy, respectively. The concurrent validity and discrimination of all composite scores were acceptable as the strength of the correlations were greater than 95% of the studied correlations. 
With increasing disease activity, the scores in nearly all outcomes worsened significantly. The DAPSA, PASDAS, and ASDAS scores classified 22%, 56%, and 48% of the patients respectively in the two highest disease activity scored. Stratified analysis for concomitant psoriasis revealed no relevant subgroup differences. The authors felt that the performance of ADAPSA, PASDAS, and ASDAS in peripheral spondyloarthropathy was acceptable and independent of concomitant psoriasis. However, due to discrepancy in classification, the, valid, the validity of the existing thresholds for disease activity states need further study. This issue and others are addressed in an accompanying editorial by Dr. Laura Coates and William Tallett from the University of Oxford, United Kingdom, and University of Bath, United Kingdom, respectively. And the editorial is entitled, How Should We Measure Peripheral Spondyl Arthritis? Both articles are important in outlining the current difficulties in measuring disease activity in peripheral spondyl arthritis. We now move on to agranulomatous polyangiitis, or GPA. There is not a large literature on the cardiac complications of patients with GPA. Sun and colleagues in an article entitled Long-Term Risk of Heart Failure and Other Adverse Events in Granulomatosis with Polyangiitis, a nationwide cohort study, examined the long-term rates of heart failure and other adverse cardiovascular outcome in a Danish nationwide cohort diagnosed with GPA and compared these rates to those found in the general population. Of the 1,923 patients with GPA, they could match 1,781 patients at a 4 to 1, a 1 to 4 ratio to 7,124 patients from the general population. They found that during the first year after diagnosis, patients with GPA had a significantly higher rate of heart failure and other adverse outcomes, including atrial fibrillation, flutter, and or ischemic stroke as compared with the general population. Interestingly, after the first year, GPA was not associated with higher rates of heart failure or the other cardiovascular outcomes when compared to the background population. The only exception to this was there is a slightly increased hazard ratio, 1.38 for atrial fibrillation or flutter. The absolute 10-year risk of heart failure was 6.8% for patients with GPA as compared to 5.9% for the general population. Please read this article, which describes the cardiovascular events at a more granular level. And in the discussion, the authors outline the implications of their study regarding cardiac health in patients with GPA.
The final article to highlight is entitled Characteristic Comorbidities and Outcomes of SARS-CoV-2 Infection in Patients with Autoimmune Conditions Treated with Systemic Therapies, a Population-Based Study. In this article, Curtis and colleagues described the characteristics and COVID-19 clinical outcomes in patients with rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, or ulcerative colitis, who are receiving systemic therapies. These they refer to as the indicator cohort. And then compared to outcomes in a more general population called the comparator cohort, and then to each other. In this study, they examined 315,101 patients with COVID-19 infection from the U.S. Optimum de-identified COVID-19 electronic health record data set. They found that after adjusting for demographics of the 2,306 COVID-19 patients with RA, there was an increased risk of hospitalization and in-hospital death as compared to the comparator cohort of 311,561 patients. This increased risk was also observed when adjusted for demographics, and then demographics plus comorbidities, although the risk was attenuated in the latter group. The risk of hospitalization in COVID-19 patients with RA receiving tumor necrosis factor inhibitors versus non-tumor necrosis factor inhibitor biologics was lower than the comparator group. And the risk of hospitalization due to COVID-19 infection, however, was similar between patients receiving tofacitinib and the comparator cohort. In the smaller psoriatic arthritis cohort of 421 patients and the ulcerative colitis indicator cohorts of 811 patients, the, the risk of hospitalization and hospitalized death did not significantly differ from the comparator cohort. I suggest you read this paper to obtain further details on the cohorts why the adjustments were made for demographics and then subsequently demographics plus comorbidities and what the author's conclusion about the findings were. I'll conclude this podcast with the image of rheumatology, which describes a previously healthy 20-year-old woman with a four-week history of severe and disability neck pain. X-rays showed calcification within the C2, C3 intervertebral disc space, and this was detected on X-rays. MRI showed reactive bone edema in addition to the calcifications, and CT showed that the calcifications were within the nucleus pulposus. A diagnosis of adult onset acute calcific discitis was made. This is a condition mainly observed in childhood. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast and encourage you to read not only my highlighted articles, but all the articles in the March 2022 edition of the Journal of Rheumatology. 
either in the print or online edition, which is available at www.jrune.org. Please watch my interviews with the author of the highlighted articles, not only this month, but the previous months if they missed them. They are available for viewing both at our website and on YouTube. If you have any comments or questions on these highlighted articles or any article in the journal Rheumatology, please send them to manuscripts at jroom.com. Please listen next to next month for the April edition of Editor's Highlights. Please stay healthy.